Yeah. Hey, this is Juan Carlos Lozano, and you're listening to Step Off Magazine Productions. Shout out to the homie Rob Camacho. Much love to all you. Hope you guys enjoy this. Internets, welcome to another episode of Step Off Radio, the official podcast of Step Off Magazine. I'm your host, Rob Camacho, and I'm excited to have you all here for our 17th episode on the pod. It's our final show for the summer, guys, and even though this year hasn't exactly been what any of us were expecting, you know, between COVID, you know, the civil unrest, police brutality, the nonsense with the election cycle and the ass hat and the White House, you know, between all of that, I'm glad that those of you still listening to the show have stuck with us through it all. As we enter the final quarter of 2020, and as the election marches ever closer, you know, things are probably going to get a little bit more hectic before they begin to get any better. And even though it's hard to predict what the future is going to hold, um, we're going to try our best here at Step Out to bring you guys episodes on a semi-regular basis. Um, You know, there's about three months left in the year. And, um, you know, things are going to get hectic, but we're going to try our best to be through it all, guys. We got a wonderful show lined up for you guys today with our guest Juan Carlos Lozano, a man of many talents here in San Diego. We had an amazing conversation about um, community organizing, a little bit about his backstory growing up here in San Diego, becoming a musician, getting involved in activism, hosting several podcasts for people who are prophets SD and Union del Barrio, and embarking in other ventures like starting his own clothing business. Honestly, it's really great stuff, guys. You know, this is an interview that's been a long time in the making. I'm really glad that you are all finally going to have the opportunity to hear it. So with that said, guys, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Juan Carlos Lozano. All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Step Off Radio. Our guest today is Juan Carlos Lozano. He is a organizer. He is an activist and he's also a musician and a entrepreneur who has his own clothing line here in San Diego. Uh, Juan Carlos, thank you for taking the time and being on the show today, man. Uh, thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Like, like I told you before we, we got on here, it's an honor and it's a, it's a pleasure to be part of the Step Off Radio. For real, I'm a fan. Absolutely. Thank you, man. We really appreciate that. Thank you for thank you for reaching out to us, man. You know, so for our listeners, you know, that may not be familiar with you and the work that you do in the community, you know, tell us a little about yourself, man. Where, do you, where are you from? And, you know, what is it that you do? How would you best describe yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was born in, uh, in in Alvarado Hospital near SDSU, that, that for-profit hospital that, that nobody likes to talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, and I was raised in University Heights on Georgia Street up to the age of five and six. Um, then my parents separated 
my father relocated to Chula Vista, and my mom relocated to National City. Um, and, you know, describe what I do, I mean, there's so many things that I do, man, but just to, to put it bluntly, you know, I, I just try to do uh, and, and try to make uh, what is best for, for my people um, and, and, and my family will make them proud for all, all my efforts into it. Um, my goals and ambitions and motivations are all uh, in line with, with, uh, with making my people and my family proud. Uh, so, so, yeah, just doing my part to help, uh, you know, the revolution. Man. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. You know, so like you said, you've, um, you've kind of lived all over here, like in San Diego. You know, like in what ways has the region kind of molded and shaped your perspective going from a youth to an adult that you are today? Yeah, man. Um, well, I, I definitely lived all over the place, uh, uh, you know, both my, my mother and father, they didn't have any, any papers, any documentation. They, they crossed the, the illegal border there. Um, and, uh, you know, we just spent a lot of time, uh, with my mom's side, I spent a lot of time in all my shelters, friends' houses, and, and various places. We struggled financially. And uh, as you could tell, I mean, English wasn't, wasn't your first language, so it was just really hard to get, uh, to get capacitated over here. But by the age of five or six, we became a little bit stable. And um, on my father's side, uh, and here, like I grew up around the National City Chula Vista. We came over here after we we, we lived in University Heights. We moved over to Chula Vista area, and um, yeah, man. Well, my childhood was was really really interesting. I was uh, I was supremely colonized, man. My perspective uh, uh, was really clouded. I mean, growing up in San Diego, uh, growing up, want uh, encouraged to be. To be assimilated by my parents, uh, to assimilate to the to this country standards, and to kind of forget about my Mexican heritage. But at the same time, you know, being being pushed to to conserve that Mexican heritage, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was really confusing for me uh, uh, growing up in San Diego, uh, specific, because it's a conservative county, conservative city, you know, and, and specifically a national city. It's even more of a, like a even more small town feel that you have. Um, uh, and everybody's just kind of in line with the with the status quo, the system. You know, everybody's pushing you to to do better, to get out of the ghetto, get out of the hood. You know, um, and I grew up with that type of mindset. It, it was really warped. Uh, but I always I always questioned it because you know that 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 confusion within me was always was always there. Uh, later in life, I, I, I throughout various experiences and, and many trials and tribulations and, and all kinds of joys and, and, and heartbreaks and whatever, and all kinds of life experiences, I became the person that I am now, and I hold my identity uh, very, very near and dear to my heart. It's everything. Though. That's who I am. Just a Chicano, a Mexicano, um, and, and uh, you know that the plan is to be the man, uh, you know, in the stolen land. So that, that's how it. That's how this. this uh, this region definitely molded me. There's a lot of stories in there, but, but yeah, just to put it a little bit simply. Yeah, no doubt. It's the age-old struggle. It's kind of like how, how it goes, like in the film Selena, you know, for Chicanos, you know, we have to be more American than the Americans and more Mexican than the Mexicans, you know, when we <laughs> always find ourselves kind of in between in this gray no-man's land where we never seem to fit in one person's particular box squarely. For real. Yeah, for real, man. What's normal anyway, right? But nice Precisely. <laughs> so through the, these years of finding yourself growing up, uh, one of your big escapes was um, music. You know, you yourself, you are a performer and you've been making music for several years. You know, tell us a little bit about how you got into music, man. 
what did you grow up to listening to in your household? You know, were you guys a musical household? You know, tell us a little about your memories from back then. Yeah, man, yeah. Um, uh, well, the early years, hearing just music in my household, uh, regarding my father, um, it was more of like uh, Jorge Negrete, Javier Solís, uh, Pedro Infante, Románticas, um, uh, El, El Piporro, um, El Rey, you know, uh, Jose Alfredo Jiménez, um, it was uh, Emmanuel, it was Jose Jose, uh, Luis Miguel, Armando Manzanero. Um, and you go to the Bee Gees, you go to the Beatles, you go to old, just oldies, um, Elton John, go to Michael Jackson. Um, you can even hear Prince in there. Um, there's so many, so there's a variety. I mean, and then you got Mana, and then you got the alternative rock set, and Carlos Vives, and uh, all kinds, all kinds of, all kinds of music when it comes to my father. So, so, so much diverse music, classical music, Claude Debussy. Um, uh, uh, I think it's Alexander Wagner. Um, uh, whole variety so of stuff. Much. I said like like a whole variety of stuff, man. You're pulling from all the genres. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get, I'm trying to slowly soak it all in because I'm trying I'm trying to incorporate that. Excuse me, because because I mean there, there's so much music uh, that that my dad laid the foundation for me uh, to to even uh, to even start wanting to start playing, man. And and then on my mom's side, it was more like. It was more uh, kind of, no sé cómo, como like bachata type of thing, tropical, música tropical, uh, música de banda. She's from Mazatlán. My father's from Aguascalientes. Uh, if anybody knows Mazatlán, it's Sinaloa. Sinaloa is obviously like a regional, a regional place for banda music. Um, and, you know, all that type of music, um, including, uh, oh man, my mom is crazy, so she, she listens to Ramstein and, all kinds of death metal and, uh, <laughs> and, and hardcore goth music. And, no and way, for real? So, yeah, man. And, and, you know, you got the West Coast classics. I mean, we grew up in National City, so during the 90s and early 2000s, it was heavily active, man. And, and I have a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of good friends that, that were active during that time. Uh, raised me, I see them as mentors. And we listened to, I mean, Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube. I mean, you got all the West Coast traits, DPG. Dang, man. So, you know, so growing up, you have this very eclectic musical upbringing with all these different kinds of genres, you know. Were you a musical household? Like, did you grow up, like your siblings, did you did you grow up taking music classes, like singing or like um, playing instruments, like in school or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you this much. Musical household, my mom tried to sing. <laughs> she wasn't too great and my dad my dad I can tell that my dad was like he was super passionate about singing because you know he, he'd make like an effort with his face and his body to like want to put out that note but it was just so horrible man but I'm like I, I, I asked my dad did you used to sing in the time he's like yeah he's like yeah and I'm like what happened did the smoking cause you to stop and he's like yeah yeah so I gotta watch out for that man for sure but uh but no we weren't we didn't have like a 
like a program or anything like that. I mean, we're very underprivileged. Like the closest thing to us learning an instrument in my in my early age before I took initiative and got my first guitar was a uh, uh, maybe that flute that you get in sixth grade. You know, everybody gets that. that oh, the little that, recorder. Recorder. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that that's it. I, I don't. I can't say that we that we tried anything. I know that my sister and I would we would practice falsettos when we were like maybe three, till the age of maybe eleven. From 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 the earliest I can remember till the age of eleven, I would uh I would practice falsettos with my sister. We we do like opera things like like all crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I would beat her. At, at, at the high notes, which is insane. I don't know how the hell I would do that, but that's when I started to know. When I I, I remember that that I uh, that I sang Queens. Um, we are the champions. I think when I was like eight years old. I can hit that guy's notes. And I'm like, I think I'm good at that. I think this is, this is what you feel when you're good at something. Mm-hmm. And that, from that moment on, when I started hitting those soft pedals with my sister and, and singing Queen, I, I realized, like, all right, maybe maybe there's something there that I can go with. So, like, at yeah. what age do you start playing the guitar, man? The, around the age of, uh, of 14 or 15, that, that's, when I, that's when I fully, uh, fully became entrenched and, and wanted to learn that, that guitar, the guitar for sure, that instrument. And when and when you took this up, were you um, practicing like by yourself, like at your house, or were you like uh, with friends? Did you kind of start getting together with like-minded friends and practicing together? Yeah, so for the most part, it was just by myself. Um, but I did get the inspiration to want to get the instrument from the people that I was that I was with in at Sweetwater High School during that time. My friends, uh, the music that I was listening to at that time as well, also motivated me to get it. But I would just practice on my own. Eventually, I, I I got the confidence to want to to want to play, but it wasn't it wasn't the guitar, the, the the expertise on my guitar that gave me the confidence to perform in front of other people. It was the confidence in my voice that gave me uh, that that gave me the will to to want to do that, to show it off, to see if I could to let people know that I could offer something to their project, and that's how I kind of uh, got into my first band. Nice. So, as time goes on, you build up your skills singing and performing. And you reach this point where you're confident in yourself to put yourself out there and perform to a crowd. You know what ultimately made you start pursuing music and all, making your own. You know, and kind of branching out as a performer yourself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just uh, just the passion for it. The fact that you know, in school, everybody everybody used to tell me. Uh, they always tell you, you know, to, you know. Uh, find a career path a find a career path that you can be passionate about right so I I just kept on thinking uh, in that way and I'm like man I'm really passionate about that I'm really passionate I want to give it a shot I know that it's a dream but I think you're meant to dream you know and I didn't I didn't understand it back then as much as I understand it now but I think I I, I definitely felt that initiative so I took that chance uh, back when I was um, back when I was like what 16, 17 and I, and I formed that battle with my, with my peers with my friends and uh 
and later down the line, you know, throughout the whole experience, is now here I am now. Here I am now trying to get this this first uh, individual project out. Uh, it's been a journey for sure. Yeah, you know, that kind of brings us to the next question. This past summer, you released your debut EP, Ambition and Transition. this project man what was the inspiration behind it and you know tell us a little bit about the music that's on this um this ep yeah man so this this, this ep encapsulates everything that uh, that I, the that the title says everything that i am that i embody uh where i'm going uh and where i've been and where i was all that um the ambition and transition in the title basically basically says that which is my ambition hasn't it hasn't uh it hasn't faded it's just it's just it's just grown. It's just morphing into into what I'm moving to now. Um, so some of the music is 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 maybe eight to nine years old, maybe no, not even eight. Eight years old, I think. Eight years old, and then that's the that's the most. That's one in one song, and then the other ones are were written after twenty twenty fifteen. So there's an eight-year-old song in there. There's a five-year-old song, and, and there's a couple of two-year-old, what, yeah, two-year, two to three-year-old songs. Yeah. And then the newest ones, which is, and then I'm just speaking about the the instrumental part, the the guitar portion of it, because there's the, the the other angle of the EP is where I'm where I'm moving towards now, which is just becoming a free-flowing artist and not putting any label to what the hell I'm doing. Obviously, it's more hip-hop oriented. For sure, I have to give it that credit, and I can't, I can't shy away from that. But I also dabble into R and B and alternative type of uh, type of a vibe. So, so yeah, that that's what you're gonna find in the, in that project for sure, and and you're gonna catch a glimpse of the where it is that I'm moving forward onto my next project, which I'll announce later later on this year. No doubt. You know, you you list these this whole wide variety of influences of music you grew up listening to but as an artist today you know what you know i, I know you said you don't want to put like uh, necessarily too many labels on your music because like it it kind of defies genres in a lot of way what kind of music influences you today what kind of contemporary artist you know kind of inspire you when you're looking to make music uh contemporary artists um Let's see. Who, who. Yeah, man. I, I, <laughs> I have I have like so much honor for people who have passed, but I also have to recognize people who are here. Man, you're right. Um, Kujo the Savage is an inspiration for me. He's a he's a he's a rapper. He's an artist out of uh, Gardena and Los Angeles. Kujo the Savage. He he, he honestly embodies the 
and, and ambition and, and, and persistence and, and just following your dreams. Um, he's one of those. Uh, uh, obviously, Miguel, Miguel, the uh, the R and B, the R and B legend. Uh, he he's a continuing inspiration to me. Willie D, Willie D from the Ghetto Boys. He makes some music now, but just just his, his advice and, and the way that his wisdom. Uh, he inspires me as an artist to just continue my path. Again, the same old shit. My mind is still playing tricks. Cause today when I left my residence, I heard we had a new black president. And he wasn't no Uncle Tom. Rudy Poots stepped and fetch house nigga scum. And white folks wasn't planning to murder him, kid. Cause they voted for him just like the blacks did. And this might sound reckless, but I got a loan on a brand new Lexus in Texas. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Everybody was colorblind Went to church and I gotta admit Walked in, didn't see one hypocrite It appeared every single soul was reached Cause the pastor practiced what he preached Then I woke up in a cold sweat, homie My mind still playing tricks on me He's really cool. He's an up and comer. His ambition and his work ethic is uh, is really good. Yellow Hill too. He's a rapper from uh, from Los Angeles, and he's really good too. He, he's he's motivational. I'm sure I'm missing a lot a lot of people. También el, el muchacho de calle 13. Uh, he's really really dope too. The, the singer. I know that he separated himself from that band. Se me el nombre, pero but he's really really cool. Uh, he's an inspiration. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I can't really, I can't really say, well, I mean, Miguel doesn't make, you know, music as much as he does, but, but I, he's still alive, so, like, <laughs> and he still shows, he still shows up on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does, yeah, yeah that, that, that's about it for now, I'm sure I'm making <clears throat> people, yeah. Yeah, you know, and as an artist, man, you know, like, what do you hope that Onyx is? as well as others from like outside the community, you know, what, what do you hope that they take away from this project and from your music in general? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I hope that they take away a message. They take away a feeling. They take away, uh, they, they take away a, a sense of, of motivation, uh, a sense of introspection. I'm, and I want them to think about what it is that I'm projecting out there, which is, which is, uh, and what I'm, what I'm trying to, mo- what I'm motivating, which is uh, consciousness, um, uh, ambition, motivation, persistence, perseverance, success, and, and liberation and revolution at the end, and how all that is intertwined. So I want people to get that type of, that type of vibe. I want people to, 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 uh, to feel that, 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 yeah, it's about your success individual, individually, but... Uh, at the time, it, it, it's all it's all rooted in collectiveness. So you have to understand that it, obviously your identity is very important, and you wanting to know is very important, and you coming to that fruition is very important. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, 
it's all of us. No solamente es uno, it's all of us. And we're all collectively working towards what we want, which is what we're always wanting liberation and revolution in, in, in the forms of, of reform. You know, we don't see that as clear. And, and I really want them to get that. It's a really complicated message, man. But for the most part, it's perseverance, motivation, and, and just consciousness. No, it's, it's, a, it's a dope message, man. And one thing that I really love about your music you know, when I was going through it is that, you know, you just, the thing is that you just don't talk about revolution and liberation in your music. Like you actually live this, you know, on top of your music, you know, you've been organizing here in San Diego for several years now. Um, you know, you've been a member of people over profits, San Diego. Uh, you're right now, you're currently an organizer with Union del Barrio. You also host, you know, uh, your own podcast with, uh, with Union as well, you know, for listeners, you know, out there, how did you come to this point when you decided to like fully commit yourself to organizing and get involved in all these different campaigns, you know, on the local, state, and even national level for these social justice initiatives? Yeah, yeah, um, I appreciate that, man. That's not a that's not a compliment that I take lightly. I, I really appreciate that. And it, I really do. Um, uh, that I mean, I, I got in, I got involved with with all, with all these uh, with all these podcasts and just just community act community organizing um, because of my father's deportation because uh, in 2015 um, because of my the, this confusion that I was speaking to you about earlier in the podcast that, that I felt growing up here and how I you know at the end of the day I found out who I was and this is who I am now but that was one of those times where I needed to choose whether or not I wanted to continue to be blinded by the status quo uh, and just uh, continue to believe in this, in this false notion of, of nationalism and capitalism and imperialism under, under the guise of the system, under the guise of the United States, or I could choose to stop living a life of cowardice and ignorance and move, move over towards just giving myself completely towards my people and, and, and be completely unselfish and do my part uh, to, to help out to help out as much as my ancestors did, uh, to for for me to be able to to, to provide that that sense of of liberation and, and clarity for the future generations that comes after me, to be able to breathe and, and do more than I can than I can now, and to lay that foundation as much as the forefathers have. So after I, I lost my father to that deportation, I, I, I there's a couple things that happened in my personal life that just made me want to give myself completely to that because I knew that in order for me to move forward, in order for me to be a better person, uh, it would take just that, ultimate sacrifice and selflessness in order for me to find out what it is that I'm truly made of. Uh, I know what I'm, I know what I am now. I know, I know who I am. I know why I'm this way. Um, it's because yo soy chicano, soy mexicano, y soy un militante y un hombre del barrio, and um, I'll give my everything and my all for my people. So I knew that my, my, some of my virtues were just public speaking and me being able to be as open and honest to people. Uh, and, have, and, 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 uh, and I have, a, have an affinity for very, very good intellectual dialogue, just dialogue, introspective dialogue in general, uh, policy-based dialogue as well, um, uh, and revolution-based dialogue. Uh, so I, I signed up for Biz Voice Radio with POPSD. Me, me, me. One of my, some of my mentors over there, uh, you know, Francisco Mendoza, Nadia Contreras, Rudy Corrales, Ivan Chillas, uh, amongst others, gave me that platform along with the encouragement of my, of my mentor, Pablo Aceves, to want to go ahead and do that. And then after my time ended in POPSD, I joined Nuno Rosario, 
and we began the Pablo Aceves podcast after uh, Pablo had, had actually passed away. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just ended my services to that just because I knew that I was already an artist and, and I could, I could do, I could fill this role if, if this role needed to be filled. And, and, and yeah, I just, I just threw myself in there. Yeah. You know, like as far as like hosting the podcast, um, was this a role that you sought out yourself or was this something like they approached you because, you know, being an artist, you know, and, you know, you're kind of using your voice. They, the two kind of go hand in hand, you know, like, um, was this something that like you kind of, was this a role that you kind of like sought out and you, and you got it or did people approach you? Uh, the, uh, I kind of, I kind of thought, I kind of thought that out because I was intrigued by the whole radio thing, mm-hmm. the, the, the voice radio, to be exact. I was intrigued by it. I was like, okay, it's a radio, you know, like how can I help out a musician? Maybe I can play a song or something. And then, and they started asking for my advice, you know. Because I was, I'm a, I'm not how do you say? It? I don't, I hate the word. I'm just, I'm a policy, uh, I'm a policy. Friend. <laughs> 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 not how do you say it? I like I like talking about policy, man. And specifically about policy, it's like state legis- like state propositions, um, laws. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you know, bills. You know, uh, Senate bills. Whether it's state, local, uh, federal, all that. Uh, I'm into that, man. I really am. And when people speak to me about policy and and, and law and whatnot, I am severely intrigued. International politics. You know, it's, and you bring in those specific notions of capitalism, imperialism, and colonialism, and then it, even then, it just gets me even more enthralled with it. So, uh, with Village Voice Radio, I found myself uh, becoming or falling in love with, with with speaking on a podcast, with being a host. And then for the PA podcast, there were some compas that definitely came up to me and they encouraged me to do it. it that wasn't something that I was looking forward to do. Uh, after Paul, after Paul's passing, but it, it was re, it was uh, reintroduced to me as a, a kind of like a tribute that I could do for him, and that that won me over right away, and I I wanted to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a fellow podcaster too, you know, um, you know, share, share a little bit about your platform, man. You know, like what do you regularly cover on your show when you talk? Do you have a guest on, or do you break down policy a lot of times? Is it kind of a combination of the two? Uh-huh. Uh, for the PA podcast, it's a combination of uh, of events, um, live streams, and, and policy mm-hmm. policy based uh, topics. Uh, we we talk about international, international, national, local uh, topics. Uh, uh, obviously, in the barrio, you know, we, the the roots of all evil uh, in regards to our organization and that things that we fight for or fight against, excuse me, capitalism, imperialism, and colonialism. So we base our conversations off that. But we do speak about uh, specific policy related materials, such as, you know, uh, the teacher strike here in California or Los Angeles, uh, you know, or, or, or any type of solidarity, uh, uh, you know. Um, events that are happening or, or, or initiatives such as the Duterte campaign that bring down Duterte campaign by Anay Bayan or Bayan or Migrante. Um, and we also have interviews with, uh, with uh, Lucas Cruz and Tommy Camarillo from the Chicano Park Steering Committee. We, we, we also have um, uh, specific interviews that we, that we do with people. So it just kind of varies. It's kind of varies. There's something for everybody, really, when you get down to it. You got the whole wide variety of topics and people. Yeah, man. So, um, kind of, kind of going back a little bit to when you, you know, first started 
kind of getting in the organizing, you know, like for most people, there tends to be like this nexus that gets them, um, them into organizing in some way. And for you, it was, um, it was your, it was your father. You know, you personally, you've been affected personally by the brutality of the U.S.-Mexico border and the callousness of the U.S. immigration system. And your father, who was uh, undocumented, you, I believe you said that he actually um, self-deported. And, you know, this this undoubtedly had to have like an impact on your activism and your whole world outlook. You know, you know, tell us a little about about your father's journey and how his immigration status as an undocumented individual, you know, not just affected your family, but influenced your worldview, too, and brought you to the place where you're at today. And then my father's journey is, uh, you know, I don't want to get into his whole life, but, uh, you know, it's definitely one of those, uh, he's positive. He's, he's, uh, he's persevering, man. He invited that for sure. So, so he, he came over here multiple times. He got caught up at the border in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, so, so when he finally came over here and he met my mother in the 90s, and finally stayed here for a bit, or the 80s, excuse me, the early 80s, or the middle 80s, um, uh, at that point in time, he never started his process to, to become documented and whatnot. Um, he didn't know anything about that. He just kind of left it all on a whim. Uh, and then at the end, uh, it's just like the only way for me to keep him here in the United States was, uh, was, uh, was for me to join the military. And, and I told my dad, you know, I can't do that. And my dad said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to do that. So we, but we, I mean, he decided to, to leave uh, the United States, he had no other option. I mean, mind you, my father had been working for the same company for 35 plus years, you know, and, and it was just really bad. Obviously, you already know the injustices that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so he self-supported himself, which is the craziest thing, man. So he self-supported himself with my with my stepmother, uh, who I love dearly as well. Shout out to her. Um, we were, they were driving through the old time Mesa border to go to Mexico, right, with all of his stuff inside of the van. And so the aduana, which is the, the customs agents of Mexico, the Mexico aduana, they 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 claim that my that my stepmother was trying to smuggle him into Mexico because he didn't have any like Mexican documentation. For real. So they deported him from Mexico to the to the U.S. customs agents, and the U.S. customs agents kept him overnight and then deported him the next night. Uh, uh, later down the line, I don't know how, but they, they pardoned his uh, deportation because I guess they found it to be unlawful that they that they kept him overnight because mm-hmm. he was already at the Aguana. So I don't know how the hell that happened. So it it was just a, a a messed up messed up situation in general. Everything that could have gone wrong, what did go wrong, um, and obviously that left me on my own. I had to fend for myself, kind of. My mother my mother was going through some financial stress during that time. But she still lent me the hand, you know. I found myself living in mama's living in mama's living room, uh, kind of like Kendrick Lamar did, you know, and kind of just pondering about life and, and and trying to figure out why the hell am I here? How did I get here? And, and what have I done wrong? Or what can I do better? Um, and then it was during that time, that same time, that 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 passion riddle 2015-2016 campaign for what we're living at now. Uh, was barely coming on with Bernie Sanders was fighting up the storm, talking all, saying all these buzzwords uh, that made me feel good, that made me want to do things. Uh, he definitely did motivate me to be better, to, to get involved with that. And I was just really passionate about that. So that's how I started to become more involved. I started going to know uh, Dakota Access Pipeline events. And I have been 
tonight, a show of solidarity in San Diego as the calls get louder for President Obama to permanently stop construction of a controversial oil pipeline. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Barbara Lee Edwards. I'm Carlo Chiquetto, the head of a Texas company building the $3.8 billion Dakota Access Pipeline, told employees today they're committed to the project that, despite strong opposition and a federal request to voluntarily halt construction near a Native American reservation in North Dakota. CBS News 8's Richard Allen is live downtown with how San Diegans joined a National Day of Action against it. Richard. Carlo and Barbara Lee, the Dakota Access Pipeline may be more than a thousand miles away from here, but today more than a hundred protesters who filled the front of the federal courthouse say that this project poses a threat to all Native American communities, as well as an environmental threat that cannot be ignored. I started going to uh, protests and whatnot, and, and that's kind of how I... I became uh, uh, you know, more involved with, with community organizing and just community activism. Community activism at that time. But yeah, man, that definitely had a profound effect. It, it, uh, it shook me to my core. And uh, it obviously made me, made me, it forced me to become a better man. Forced me to grow up. Yeah, no doubt, man. It is a, it's an incredible journey of growth, you know, just in the span of a relatively, you know, few short years, you know. You know, if you don't, if you don't mind sharing your thoughts, you know what? What are your thoughts on this current presidential election that we are in the middle of, which seems like it's been dragging on forever? <laughs> yeah, man, it's a hide and seek election, huh? It's a hide and seek election. We got a bunker boy, and then we got Basin boy. We got <laughs> Biden, and then we got Trump, right? Uh, and these guys have like the RNC and the DNC are like. They're pushing this culture war thing because they don't have policy. They don't have anything to show up to show to the people that there's concrete progress, right? There's anything that's actually been been done that, that has that has benefited anybody besides the one percent. Uh, so, so these people are just trying everything at that culture war. The DNC uh, just had a moderate Republicans who spoke at the 1996 Republican uh, convention here in San Diego uh, speak at the Democratic convention uh, 24 years later. At the DNC, they had uh, John Kasich uh, speak, and they uh, for like I don't even know more than five minutes, man. And then they had AOC, which to me, you know, I have my own criticisms, but I do I do lean more towards liking her. But obviously, I'm not a reformist, so I don't want to say any more. Uh, but uh, they only gave her 60 seconds to speak, and they gave that guy five minutes. So that's indicative of where it is that they stand. Obviously, they want to win over the suburbanites, and they don't want to win over uh, the, the urban. Uh, people, They're, we're not even talking about police reform. We're not even talking about healthcare. And obviously, we're in a pandemic. And obviously, there's like a, a being of a war happening right now in front of our eyes. Uh, you know, speaking to war. And then the RNC is banking on that culture war as well. So it's obviously, platitudes and cliches with with uh, with uh, with them inviting. I don't know if you remember that that the one time that that kid told off that that uh, indigenous person at the steps of the national the national building. I guess. Oh, all the way back in 2019? I remember that. Yeah, so they're going to have him speak. They're going to have the people who, uh, who you know, the, the people who, who brought out their guns and they were, like, outside the mansion in Atlanta when they were um, when they were marching for uh, George Floyd. Oh, uh, yeah, in St. Louis. They were the ones, like, they had, like, the, the AR-15s and everything in front. 
Mark and Patricia McCloskey stood outside of their Portland Place home in the Central West End as protesters marched past on June 28th. They say they feared for their lives and their property. Today, St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner charged them with unlawful use of a weapon and flourishing. In a statement, Gardner said it is illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner at those participating in nonviolent protest. And while we are fortunate this situation did not escalate into deadly force, this type of conduct is unacceptable. Yeah, they're going to have them speak. So, so they go, man, that's that. I don't even have to say much more when it comes to, to the perspective that, that, I, that I have regarding these people. They're, they're, all they care about is their own self-interest, the moderate Republicans, and the which are the Democrats, are just continuing the same notion of, of imperialism, capitalism, and colonialism. They don't want anything to change. They got set up left and right. I mean, they simply and bunker boy make your choice, you know. I could go on for, for days. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely seems like the worst of both worlds when it comes to these candidates. Like you said, there's no substantive policy um, really to help, you know, the working class, you know, at all. It is just... At the end of the day, feeding into this cultural war, feeding into these worst tendencies. Um, man, oh, man, man, I had a lot for words, low key, man. I mean, I just want to, I just want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens come November. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You know, man. So you know, you you are such an in, interesting individual. You are a person of many talents, and much love, man. Yeah, man. On top of the music and the organizing here in the city, you know, you also have a clothing line, which is Perseverance Clothing. And, you know, I got to ask you, man, what drew you in the dabbling in the fashion? You know, we see organizing and performing arts. They kind of oftentimes go hand in hand. But on paper, you know, fashion, it's so out of the sphere of music and organizing. You know, what drew you to pursue this avenue along with a whole host of other ventures that you're involved in right now? Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that. Again, none of, none of this is taken lightly. I, I really appreciate that, man. Um, uh, well, the perseverance clothing aspect uh, didn't become. It wasn't. It wasn't anything I was thinking about two years ago, maybe three. But, but since uh, it has to be attributed to Nipsey Hussle's passing, uh, the late great uh, Aramis uh, Nipsey Hussle. Once he passed, uh, I've been a big fan since. Uh, since 09, 010, actually even 08 of Missy Hustle when he came out with Bullets and Got No Names. Obviously, merch, uh, merchandise uh, is essential for any artist right now because of the way that the business works. Basically, you could you could survive off of streams and you could survive off of merch and off of shows, uh, but mostly it's just shows and and um, and merch. So, 
So I needed to get that angle down. And I'm like, how can I get that angle down? And I'm like, what, what's my, what do I embody? Like, what, what, what do I, what do I, what do I attach myself to? What do I associate myself with? What, what is my life? What can I say that, that is specific and unique, but also in line with what my people would want from me and what I, what I see, my, what I see my people as be for me? I'm like, what is that? Perseverance, perseverance. And that, that came to mind. It was like perseverance, like, like the top of the mind, like the best shit, like, like, like the, the guerreros, you know, like like you fight through anything, no matter what. Even if you fall down, you continue. You just keep on going, and and that perseverance, that that word just came, just just stuck, and and we started grinding it out, and and we got perseverance clothing, and the 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 whole mission behind that is to just create a business model uh, to last me for years, to, to have my own company, to have something under my own name, for me to eventually open up open up a, a physical location, uh, for me to leave. For me to 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 do something, uh, uh, because my parents, you know, they gave me the opportunity for me to to, to do things, to, to live to live my life with no regrets. So I, I really wanted to give it my all, and um, and yeah, I had a I had a keen eye for that. Um, I knew that I could do it. I knew that I that I know what I like, and and what I like usually is what other people like when it comes to dress dressing uh, dressing senses and fashion. So. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to give it a shot for sure, and I'm just you know I'm just trying to build up this this brand and build up my uh, my movement. So when people actually look at me, you know they, they they're gonna they're gonna be able to see that I've been putting the work consistently for for a while. So this is just the, the beginning, my man. But but yeah, that's why I really wanted to do it. To create a business model, foundation for me to move forward. Yeah, man, no doubt. You know, I I love the I love the Nipsey inspiration. You know, talk speaking of you know individuals. Um, you know, keeping the operation in the community and, you know, and giving back, you know, um, you know, whether it's through your music or your activism, you know, you're very, you are very much invested in making a change in your community, you know, and as a creative, you know, what role do you believe artists have in our society? You know, especially right now, man, you know, where our society, it's more divided than it's ever been. And artists have a real opportunity to be kind of speakers of truth of power. You know, what, how big a role do you think they play in this moment? Uh, a role, a role. They, they, play, they play a, a huge, a, a huge, they play a huge <laughs> role uh, in our society uh, right now. Uh, uh, but some of them just, uh, some of them, you know, to be honest with you, some of them are just, most of them, <laughs> most of them. Uh, God damn it. It, they're just acting, man. They're just looking out for their own, their own, you know, their own ways, and, and just self, self-sustainment basically. But uh, but not a collective, right? Um, I think that honestly, if you ask for my opinion, I don't think that uh, artists artists have, should have a voice for their creativity, but they, I don't think they should have like a deep voice for for, for what the people really need. You know, but it should be community oriented and, and totalmente la gente as a collective should do that. We don't need any more martyrs. You know what I mean? I really don't. The only reason why I'm doing this, the, the sole reason why I'm doing this is for me to give back to my people. Um, I want to, I mean, I, I want to get rich and I want to go to school. I want to get my law degree. I want to follow the footsteps of Corti Gonzalez. I want to be that. I want to lead the revolution. I want to do my part as much. Even if I can't, I want to do my part. And that, that is, um, that's, that's like, that's the difference. And there's a lot of artists that have that, that have that, that day, but, but they become so entrenched with capitalism that uh, they kind of fall in love with it and they're okay and they, and they fall to complicity and conformity. Um, uh, but yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know if I answered that, man, but I, I, I kind of have a, I, I really wish that, that that wasn't the case. I, I, like, I totally pray. I feel like this whole world is upside down right now. No, no, yeah. that man, you know, it's powerful stuff. You know, um, another thing I like about you, man, is that you you throw out these names of influential figures, you know, from Corky Gonzalez to Nipsey Hussle to, to Bernie Sanders, you know, all in the same um, breath, you know. Who would you say are the most influential individuals that have made an impact on your life and artwork, you know, from from big mainstream national figures like that to the most personal in your most intimate circle, you know? Okay. In my life, um, not in, all, not in my life, it's, well, obviously my life in art, right? Uh, it has to be my father, number one, uh, and my mother. Uh, they, they, I see the, they, they influence me with their fight, their grit, their, their sacrifices, their never-ending selflessness um, and compassion and just humanity. And just hunger for for success. They, they really impacted my life. But I see them in the same light that I see my people. So my people are the same thing. But my people, my my family, they inspire me. My my the resistance that we've had, and the resistance that we have in our blood, that inspires me. In the line, in 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 the way of Jorge Gonzalez, Patricia Marin, uh, you know, um, so many so many people. Jorge uh, Gonzalez. Uh, is, is a is a is a main influence in my life. Paula Seves is the main influence in my life. Is um, a Union del Barrio member. Uh, Marielena Rodriguez is a huge influence in my life. Uh, she's a she's a UGB member. Julia Los Santos is a huge influence in my life. Armando Abundis is a huge influence in my life. These are these are people for sure um, that have influenced my life right now, currently, and people in before like artists, if I could say Tupac Amaro Shakur, um, Blackie Fontana, Chicano rapper who got killed a couple years ago, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle as well, Soka from Brownside, all the artists that I mentioned to you before, um, and Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Man, there's so many people that influenced my life for sure. Machiavelli. Uh, yeah, there's 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 so many individuals that we could all list, you know, that have made a contribution to the struggle, really. In the year twenty twenty, there are a lot of people particularly young people that have been inspired to join organizations, take part in movements, and advocate for their communities. Um, as you and I are well aware, organizing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, it's something that you need to be prepared for, to be invested for the long term. What advice do you give for younger activists and creatives to pace themselves to avoid the burnout that so often comes in these moments of, uh, of great social upheaval. But when the cameras turn away, when the change that we so desperately want, but happens so slowly, so often doesn't materialize, you know, what advice do you have to younger people to kind of avoid this burnout that often happens? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's a that's a really 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 particular question, really interesting question for me because if 
I could if I could just put it down, you know, it, it, you have to realize the choices that you're making in life are are, are actions that you have that you have to live by uh, for the rest of your life. By me saying that is, you really need to be mature and you really need to be responsible uh, for the choices that you're going to make regarding activism and organizing. Organizing in particular, like you said, organizing is a marathon, not a sprint. So what you're doing right now. Uh, when it comes like to the for the to the youth out there, what you're doing right now is a uh, is making a choice uh, of you giving yourself to your people completely, or are you coming to terms with what you can give to your people? Uh, that that's one thing, and and you've got to know that you can't just do it all in one go. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a while, and you're gonna learn, and you're gonna grow, and it's gonna be a lot of pain. But basically, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself if you're ready. To make this change and embrace the changes with love and not with fear because uh, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to test you uh, when I joined Union del Barrio when I realized what it was when I realized uh, the dedication that I had to, to fulfill and to, to have in order for me to, to be part of this organization in order for me to be uh, comfortable with myself I know it took me it took me maybe a year of coercion a year of me thinking about it uh, to do it when I finally did it. Uh, and when I turned in that application, I, I'm not going to lie to you, man, I cried. I cried because I knew that, that my life uh, was for my people now. And I can't back away because there's a certain, certain sense of honor uh, that, I, that I have for, for my people and, and, uh, and the revolution and, and, and uh, with the foundation that my ancestors have laid, uh, that our ancestors have laid for us to, to continue the fight. Uh, so you really have to really have to come to an understanding that you're making this decision for the rest of your life. And if you're not willing to do that, well, then you need to find out who you are. You need to find out your identity. Uh, si eres Chicano, si eres indigenous, uh, what your fight is, you have to really find out where that comes from uh, and where that energy uh, is coming from. Because if it's just coming from self-interest, then you're, you're going into a losing battle. You know. But if it's about the collectiveness and just overall sacrifice, precise that. And if you ever need a guide, aquí estamos. We're over here. There's so many people that you can reach out to. You're not alone. It may seem like you're alone. It may seem like you're going into this and this, like, why haven't people thought about that? Why haven't people been doing this? But they have been doing it. You know what I mean? It's just been carted over by so many uh, misinformation campaigns and, and, and lack of clarity. We don't even have ethnic studies in our school. We're finally barely getting, getting it because of the Association of Rasta Educators here in California, which is a branch of Unión del Barrio. You know, so it's really hard to come by. But just be patient uh, and, and uh, just, you know, really, 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 really take into account the seriousness of the decision that you're going to be taking. It's an honor, man. It's a pleasure. So when we get down to it, man, where can people find you and follow you online to see all the work and that you've done, get all your music, all the latest updates for releases, shows, the clothing line promotions, and other events, man? Where can people find you? Yeah, for sure. For, for my personal stuff, my personal, my personal ventures, you can definitely find me at on IG. Uh, my handle is Juan. Or if you go to my website, which is perseveranceclothing.net, www.perseveranceclothing.net, there's a link on my bio on IG as well. Um, You can keep up to date with all my music, my clothing line promotions, other events. I don't see any shows coming up soon, but for sure that there will be 
uh, some events being posted there soon. And for the PA podcast, you can go to uniondelbarrio.org. Under Live Lab Publications, we have the PA podcast. You can also follow them on Facebook and on Instagram as well. We're also on YouTube, so, so check us out as well. Also Spotify. Um, yeah. All right, man. You got any closing comments or anything else you'd like to let our listeners know about yourself or possibly anything upcoming? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, 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 thank you very much, Rob. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor, man. I'm a big fan of your work. Continue to, to do this. Uh, your voice is very much needed in the community. This independent magazine uh, publication is really, really dope, man. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Uh, for real, man. For real. Uh, big fan. Um... But I know that's about it. Just shout out to, uh, to to Joni. Shout out to my baby. Shout out to all the supporters, to all the fans. Shout out to my friends, my family, my father. Um, yeah, man, just let's do this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Juan Carlos, it's been an absolute honor for you to come on the show and speak with us today. Um, thank you for so much for sharing your story and your perspectives with us. I appreciate it very much. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This episode of Step Off Radio was recorded in San Diego, California. Our theme music was composed by DJ Root, and our score was performed and conducted by Thomas Chicom. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.